0: Um, also i know on this this time of day obviously that there's many of you your your dads are in heaven now they've gone on and of course our hearts are with you and um but at the same time we get to hopefully have those memories as well in those situations we're going to talk about different scenarios today because i know that you know not everybody comes from a happy childhood not everybody come has your your parents are with you still and so we're going to kind of address all of those things today as we're looking at our Heavenly Father. But before we get to uh, this standalone sermon, it's not really a series or anything that we're doing, um, I just have to give a shout out to Luke today. We had a, you know, with it being Father's Day, all, every single one of our sound guys are out of town today. All of them are out of town. So Luke was able to hop back there and be on the soundboard. Actually figured out a pretty major problem. It turned out to be simple, thank God but a pretty major problem this morning. We couldn't get the audio for this. He was able to get it figured out. Um, But I told him first service this too. I said, you know, this is really preparation for marriage because things could change at the last minute all the time. But Luke and Emma are getting married Friday night. So congratulations (laughs) to you guys. (laughs) I think Luke just said hallelujah or something like that back there. But we're so excited. We'll be praying for you guys. and praying for the guy who makes sure he doesn't mess everything up who's doing the ceremony too, but that's going to be, it's going to be fun. They will be gone all next week, and so, um, oh, well, the week after that, but then the good news is Luke and Emma, Emma will be back with us permanently now, so. <laughs> that got, like, more cheers, so <laughs> like, just, you know what, as long as Emma comes, we're good, but, um, no, we're excited about that, so congratulations, guys, um, in advance for you, so. Um, what we want to do. By the way, I totally forgot to tell first service this today. Um, My kids are teaching me cool things. Um, First service today, I totally forgot to tell... (laughs) He didn't think I would do it. I'll get to that point in just a minute. For all the dads out there, what we have typically done, instead of getting little trinkets or things like that, we donate a case of Bibles to the Gideon's ministry for you guys. And so, in your honor, a case of Bibles has been donated. Those will go all around the world, so that's your Father's Day gift, um, you know, just from Abundant Life, and um, so well, let's go on here with A Father's Heart. That's going to be our title today, A Father's Heart, and I want us to look at these things uh, that we have here. You know, let me just say this, um, I am so thankful for the example of God the Father. Uh, you've heard my story, I grew up without my dad. And you'd have to ask my kids this, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Why is that? Well, God put place, meh. But But um, I guess he's coming over for lunch today too, free meal. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, did I not tell you you were bringing the food today? You're, so um, I wish you could have seen the look on his face. He's like, you know, it's Father's Day. But God just putting different men in my life as I was growing up. And so that's how good our Heavenly Father is. We may not have had the best example, but he is. And that's the heart of today. That's what we want to look at today with the Father's heart. So I want us to look at our memory verse, and let's say this together. It's out of Psalm 103, uh, verse 13, and it will be up here on the screen. So if you will, let's read this together. Ready? The Lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him. What a great verse. We'll be getting to this a little bit later as well. I don't know the example that you had. I hope it was a good example of a father, Uh, but that's not always the case. Some of you may have had more harsh fathers as you were growing up. There's a harsh reality or no reality at all, but our heavenly father, this says here, is tender and compassionate you know, the idea that historically we have gotten of dads is, you know, we're, we're the tough guys, we have all the answers, you mess up, you know, the, belt hold, the whole belt thing's coming off and whatever it may be, belt that's coming at you. I, I've never said that to you. Anyway, <laughs> maybe I should have. Uh, okay, all right. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Um, anyway, but there's, we're going to get into discipline in just a little bit too, by the way. Um, But he is tender and he is compassionate. My son, he just had a donut. He is so talkative this morning. Um, But he is tender and he's compassionate toward us. Does he discipline? Sure he does, absolutely. But he is tender and compassionate. Ephesians 6.1, I don't have this up on the screen. I just want to read it to you, though. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, we'll be there in just a few moments. But here's what Ephesians 6.1 says. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, this comes from Exodus and Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, what Paul is saying to the Ephesians here. And note that this does not say to honor them if they were good to you. It doesn't say honor them only if they were there at the house for you. It's not a conditional thing. It's really not. Um, you've, if you've been here any length of time at all, again, you know my story. Um, my dad wasn't around and didn't exactly set the great, greatest example because we weren't there. But here's how I honor my dad. He made a decision that he wanted. He was a little kid. He knew who Jesus was. And, uh, but he made that decision before he took his final breath. And so there was a restoration that happened uh, that my brother and I were able to go down and, and see him just hours before he passed. I get to see my dad in heaven that's how I honor my dad even though he wasn't there even though I feel that I lost out potentially lost out on a lot um, you know God made up for those things and my mom was here first service but in such a wonderful mom that I had Um, but I honor my dad because in the end he made the right decision so praise God for that so I honor him in that well parents may not have been perfect but our Heavenly Father is, and I want to focus on that today. I want us to, especially dads and granddads, I'm going to include you in on this. i want to look at several different groups today, okay? Dads and granddads, our Heavenly Father is our role model. And that's who we should look to as we are able to input into the lives of our kids and our grandchildren, spiritually especially, but even how we treat our wives, how we treat their grandmother, you know, all these, these particular things. For those of you who are soon to be dads, maybe not soon to be dads, eventually one day you hope to be dads, there are things that we can look at at our Heavenly Father that will shape us at an early age, that will shape you at an early age as you are on that way, that are here in the room. I want you to understand how much your Heavenly Father loves you. He loves you so much, and so as we're going through these, You take these points and just reflect on how much your heavenly Father loves you. Because I want this message today to be for all of us, not just dads, all right? Does that sound good? Sound fair? I want to take the lettering of Father... And with each letter, we're going to look at a different trait of our Heavenly Father and how we should be as dads or how we should look to our father or hopefully be dads one day. And I normally don't use that particular style of preaching, but uh, we're going to do what's called an acrostic. So if you're taking notes, you can do F-A-T-H-E-R, and then it'll be something that goes out along the side of that. So here's a characteristic of our Heavenly Father that we can strive to or recognize in our Heavenly Father. First of all, he is, he is faithful when it comes to provision and care, he is faithful. When it comes to provision and care, Matthew six. I had you turn there. We're going to read verses twenty-five through thirty-three, and we'll hit some of these verses a little bit later in the sermon as well. But listen to this. That is why I tell you to not worry about everyday life. Does anybody know a worrier? Worrier? wor-rier. Not a warrior, but a worrier. Just wor- maybe, maybe that's you, a worrier. Look what he says. Whether you have enough food to drink, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at them. Aren't you far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So he's saying, really, the point of worry is useless because you can't do anything about the rest of your life anyway. Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at all the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so, wonder, so cares so wonderfully about the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of, or seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Here's what I want to bring out of this scripture here. God loves being your father. He loves being your daddy. He loves being your father. He loves it. It's his greatest joy, being your father, that you are sons and daughters uh, of, of God. Matthew seven eleven says this, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I love to be a dad. I love being Nathan and Gabriel's dad. I just, I love it. It's honestly mostly fun. I mean, there's times, right? We all have kids, and there's those, those times here and there where they don't like what something I've done, or I may not like how they keep their room or whatever, things like that. I, and I won't talk about how Mo kept his room when he was with us, but I love, yeah, your room's clean right now. Um, I love being their dad. I really do. It is so much fun. Um, when I think about, you know, just the different things that they're involved in, you know, this morning, obviously, you saw me up here playing since Luke was back here at the soundboard board today, um, and first service, there was a point where I was making sure I was tempo because I've been, you know, I've been a little rusty. It's been about three or four months since I've played, so I was looking at Nathan, making sure I was good, and there was just so much positive, not a, not a sinful pride, but there was just... My heart was just so filled with pride to watch him. And and here I was playing with my boy again. We're going to start a rock band one day, I'm sure. But uh, that's kind of like the video shows. You know, we're up here on stage playing worship songs, and we see ourselves, you know, in a rock band or something. I'd much rather be worshiping the Lord. But um, just so proud of that. Yesterday, Gabriel was, or actually this whole week's been working at Mike and Christine's house, just earning some money for Jamaica. You know, I love being their dad and seeing your heavenly father, Loves being your father. For you, I will never abandon you. What an amazing promise. I don't know your background. Maybe your dad wasn't around, kind of like mine. But God says, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's an amazing promise from God's word. He is always there. Because he is faithful, we should be faithful, guys. Dads, granddads, we should be faithful. Future dads, be faithful. Second Timothy 2 2 brings this out. This is Paul writing to Timothy, who was a son in the faith. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's the whole idea of faithfulness. It's the whole idea of God's faithful provision and care. He says, Hey dads, hey guys, pass along the standards of godliness. To your children pass on standards of godliness to those who god has put in your life as spiritual children as well pass those on so that they can pass them on it's the picture of faithfulness and handing down faithfulness for generations to come you know if if you've been around me long enough too um no matter which generation it is we tend to down talk the next generation you ever noticed how we do that we we down talk the next generation that's coming up and i've always had this argument Who's responsible for that? If, they, if, if, if The bad behaviors. Who's resp- have we been the fathers who have faithfully passed along? And I realize that people make their own decisions, things like that. But I've got to keep that in mind. I want to make sure that the circle of influence that I have as a father, as a spiritual father, that I am passing along faithfulness. That's my goal. And that should be our, your goal as well. Pass along the faithfulness to the Lord. And by the way, I am very hopeful with our next generation, extremely hopeful. They're doing some pretty amazing things. Um, I'll just point this out because I'm a proud uncle as well. If you follow me on Facebook, you're aware of this. My nephew graduated high school last night. Thursday, he's going to MEPS, something military entry, I'm not sure what the PS stands for, but basically he's wanting to be a Marine. What? What? Somebody said it. Anyway, he wants to be a Marine. So you know what? He wants to go serve his country. I am so proud of that. 18-year-old kid right out of high school. Let's go serve our country. I'm hopeful for our next generation. All right, let's get back to this. Faithful provision and care. God cares for my nephew who's going into the military. He cares for your sons and daughters. Notice that Paul told Timothy to recognize the reliable and trustworthy people. God is faithful in his provision and in his care. Let's look at A. He is attentive. It's, let's look at his attentiveness. Matthew 10, 20, one copper, corn, one copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. So that's how wide the knowledge of our father is. He even sees sparrows that are plentiful when they fall to the ground, okay? Verse 30 says, and the very has. Hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than the whole flock of sparrows. I can't help but think of me and Chad when I read that verse. There's not a lot that God has to care for there, you know. um, There's really not. But then I look at other and Doug. Sorry, you were laughing really loud at me, so I had to just throw you under the bus there. Then I look at other people around the room. You know, God knows the number of hairs that are on our head. That's a lot of knowledge. Okay, but what's the point of all this? Don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. That's his attentiveness to each and every person. I want to repeat Matthew 6.31 that we just read a little bit ago, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. You see that individualization that's happening there? He is attentive to us. He knows what we need. And he will respond to his notes right fast. But Matthew 6, verse 6. But when you go away, when you go pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your heavenly Father who sees everything... That's the, the, the phrase I want you to see. Your heavenly Father, who sees everything, will reward you. That's his attentiveness. He sees everything. He sees you. Many of you may have had your dads at home, but they weren't attentive. I want to ask you to raise your hands if that was you. You know, I grew up without my dad. Some of you might as you say, well, I might as well have grown up without my dad. He was there, but he wasn't there that's not your heavenly father he's attentive make it your goal dads granddads to be attentive i want to ask you this question too because these are some of the questions that i was asking of myself and wanted to pass along dads do you simply tolerate your kids or are you excited to see them when you see your kids Would you prefer to be working or to have someone else take care of them? Asking or ask your heavenly father to give you a heart that is attentive to your kids, future dads. Even now, have, ask your heavenly, everyone that's here today, your heavenly father is attentive to everything that you have need of and who you are. That's a great promise. It's a heart issue to the point that even when you're not physically with them, you're still with them. That's the goal that I want to have. Even when I'm not around my children, my heart is still with them. I told first service to this today, too. You know, I think about Gabriel. Yesterday when he was working, I was at the house, and we were getting ready to head to the graduation, so I was finishing up some things at the house. And I was thinking, I wonder how Gabriel's doing. I hope he's doing a good job. I wonder if he has water, because it's kind of hot today. And I just kind of prayed for him a little bit. Lord, thank you for the heart of a worker that you're putting into him, that he's learning these values, all these, these particular things. Then I think about Nathan when he's at work. I'm like, you know, I hope he's doing well. I hope he's, well, Miss Marie and Mr. Blue is going to make sure he stays hydrated. Miss Marie, they're going to make sure he does. But wonder if he has enough water. I wonder if a horse has kicked him today because, you know, he, whatever. But um, <laughs> I think about those things. I mean, because, like, there's one horse out there that really loves to bite Nathan. It's, it's a fun thing. It's a playful thing. And, like, one of the horses really likes to play with it. And it's Marie's horse. And I won't tell you the story what he did one time. But um, so I think about him throughout the day. And um, that was funny, Hummery? Uh, throughout the day, I think about him. My heart, even though they're not with me, the of attentiveness and everything that they do. This week, they're going to be going to here's what i want to do for us as a church family our youth are going to be gone next weekend kids the weekend after that ask your heavenly father will you give me a heart that is with them while they're i can't pray for them so that the lord speaks to them in those moments you are always on god's heart attentiveness t time commitment Matthew six thirty three. I want to read it again. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So seek him first above everything, live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Here's something about time commitment. God wants you to spend your days with him, and he wants to spend all day with you. I've had people ask me before, so how do I marry this whole idea of God and work life? Because they're two total separate things. Here's my answer. They're not two total separate things. God has placed you in the work environment. He is with you constantly. Work and God are not separate issues. Work and God are not separate things. You are first and foremost, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you are a Christian. You know what Christian means? Christ bearer. You bear Christ within you. So when you are at work, you are still a Christian, setting an example for those people. Right? So, anyway, God wants you to spend your days with him and he wants to spend all day with you. We cannot separate life and God. God and work. You know how kids spell love? Time. Very good, Doug. You were first service, so you remembered t-i-m-e is how children love to spell how how children spell love don't let the enemy cause you to use all of your time without your family because he'll do it he'll make you busy he'll make you work he'll make you think you have to do more to provide than what he's actually you know god said he'd provide for you right work hard absolutely but then let him take care of you so that you can have time with your children. So um, we have, where we were on staff for 10 years back in Concord, Dr. Tom Snipes, does anybody know him? He was on staff over there, It still is on staff at 85 years old, and he was head of the psychology department at Appalachian State for years. He uh, retired from uh, that collegiate life and he came back to North Carolina to Concord I should say and he started the first assembly school he started the daycare center and he started first grade through 12th grade guys crazy smart we are And so when Stasha and I first met him, he was standing there, and he always twiddled his thumbs. He would stand like this and just twiddle his thumbs when he was talking to you. And he was so gracious, and he was so kind, and he would give you little life lessons along the way. And he's from Kannapolis, so he would talk about things like pinto beans and cornbread and milk and all these different things that a good southern boy would talk about. We walked away from there thinking... This guy is just an over-educated grandpa. That's all he is. He is such a grandpa, and he cared so much for us. But he said this. We were in a staff meeting one day, and um, he was just giving us wisdom. He always did this. But he looked at all of us ministers there, all of us pastors there, and he said, Guys, one day you're going to die. Okay? <laughs> he was right. No, that's going to happen one day. He said, Many people will come to your funeral, and many people will cry. He said, they will call your wife for a few weeks and they'll have an interim pastor to take care of them. And now remember, he's talking to pastors. He said, but then they will get a new pastor and they will move on. They'll miss you, but they'll move on. He said, guys, your family will grieve for a lifetime. What is your priority? Now, that's just not a word for pastors and ministers. We're all super busy. We all have demanding jobs. You know what? As soon as you leave your job, they're going to find somebody to replace you. left with the grieving part. Your wife, your husband will be the ones that's left with all of that. Your father is committed to you. Be committed to your family. I'm rebuked by that often. I think we all are. Time commitment. H. Heart of mercy and grace. I'm especially thankful for this one. Psalm 103, verse 9 through 13 says this, He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. You notice he repeated that. Verse 10, He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards those who fear Him is as great as the heights of the heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. See, he addressed the whole issue of sin. He said he's removed that. This was, this was talking about Jesus, how his blood would remove our sins from us. That was kind of that prophecy of all of this. And he says the father is like, um, the Lord is like a father to his children i'm sure in this room there are a lot of bad sins that have been committed in the past some we would blush at some we we wouldn't even speak about we don't want to speak about your father is full of mercy took all that punishment of the sin that we had he will not remain angry and accuse us forever first peter 1 3 on the screen says this all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me talk about mercy for a moment. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserved. We deserve death because of sin. Well, because of Jesus, we don't have to, as long as we accept Jesus as our Savior, you know, that's, that's getting what we didn't deserve. We, we have, um, I'm sorry, yeah, we didn't get what we deserved, which was death. Grace is you get what you don't deserve. We don't deserve life because of our sinfulness, but because of Jesus and the grace of God, we get eternal life. See, that's his mercy, and that's his grace. God has a heart of mercy and grace. So when people try to tell you that God is evil, you know, not evil, God is um, authoritative, which he is, but in the sense of I'm gonna get you and you're a horrible person and all of this. Nope, the Bible says this. He has a heart of mercy and grace. Dads, we must have a heart of mercy and grace towards our kids. Your kids will view God, the Father, by the way you are as a father. Issues of fear, distrust, uncertainty because of how they were fathered. Your your heavenly Father is not like that. And thank God for his word that can correct every bit of that. He can correct every bit of that. I don't claim by the way, I don't ever claim to be world's best dad. Pretty close, but I don't ever claim to be world's best dad. But I am proof that his word can cause a fatherless boy to be a dad who can pretty be an okay father. I saw something that was on, uh, I think it was on Twitter or something this week, and it had, you know, world's number one dad. It said, now we need to be real, guys. We can't all be number one dad, so I'm number 1,031, so I'm going to get a mug that says dad, world's 1,031 best dad, or something like that, just none of us are perfect. None of us are, but God's word helps us to mature as we set our heart to say, Father, May I lead by your example. And we can do that. So praise God for that. Uh, be an example of mercy and grace. Good parents not only discipline, but good parents reward as well. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe. Having kids and grandkids at times can test your Christianity. Right or wrong? True. At times it can, I'm sure. We've had those moments. The question is, how will you respond in those moments? Yes, God does have high standards for us, but he will give us grace and mercy as we mature to being the dads that he's called us to be. So that's heart of mercy and grace. E, expressive love. Now, this was important. Matthew three sixteen it says, After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. That's the physical part. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That is the verbal affirmation part. So here's what I want to bring out. Studies have shown that the open affection of a father greatly supports the security of kids and actually helps self-esteem and sexual development. That last part is very important as well, by the way. Society has lied to us, especially dads of girls and has said, do not touch your, your daughters. Obviously, not inappropriately, right? But they've said, you don't want to touch your girls because people could, you know, uh, see it wrong and, and take you to DSS, all these different things. That's that's just so messed up. The enemy is attacking our families, the family structure, the way God set it up. We have all dads, especially if you have daughters, hug them and kiss them appropriately, obviously. I hate to have to say that, but right, we don't have to say it. So... It's important to them, and with boys as well. You know, I don't show affection to my boys the way I did when they were babies. When they were babies, I would hold them and kiss their little fat cheeks that they had. You know, we all did that. I, it would be weird if I did that now, right? I mean, <laughs> I guess if we're Italian, it wouldn't be quite so weird, because I know we have several Italian families, and they have no trouble kissing on the cheeks and all that kind of stuff. It would, for, for us, it would be weird. But, man, I hug my boys, tell them I'm proud of them, give them the whole bro hug thing, you know, and uh, it's, it's important. Love your kids. Kids need appropriate and expressive verbal and physical love from their father. Don't speak words of devaluing them because it will affect them, just like being positive and affirming them will affect them. Expressive love. Our relational authority. Now, this one is everything that we've talked about so far is leading up to this relational authority because there are times when correction has to happen as we have been faithful providers and care for our children as we have been attentive as we have given them our time as we show a heart of mercy and grace as we show expressive love we can have that relation that does hebrews 12 8 up on the screen says this as you endure this divine discipline what are we talking about here discipline (laughs) Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child that is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respect our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we um, submit even more to the discipline of our father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers have dis- disciplined us for a few years. Doing the very best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us, so we might share in his holiness. So you see the result of that is we want to share in his holiness, that's why he disciplines us. Now, this is set up in an ideal family setting, right? Because when we read this here, it says, you know, who has never heard, uh, you know, you've never been disciplined by your father. Well, there's several people in the room, your father never disciplined you. And I'm not saying that as a joke, I mean, I'm being serious, my dad never did. Because he wasn't around, so he never disciplined me. Um, so this is talking about an ideal setting. One of your parents at some point disciplined you, right? Because they loved you. God does it so that we might share in his holiness. So we will be disciplined. We must understand his attentive, and we must understand his time commitment to us. We must understand his mercy and grace and his love. Earthly fathers, there are times where we will have to discipline don't let society tell you you can't discipline your children either. There's a couple verses we heard, and this was King James Version, so it sounds a lot more harsh than it is. But there's a, uh, man, I wish I looked it up. It's in Psalms. It says, you, you shall beat your children and they will not die. <laughs> <laughs> now, beat is obviously, it's, a, it's not a beating as we think of, of unmerciful flailing and you know, hitting people. Um, but it's talking about that physical discipline that comes. Spare the rod, spoil the child. We've heard all these different things. Don't let society lie to you. When children need discipline, they need discipline. As a matter of fact, I think the lack of discipline produces a lot of the unruliness that we find. So don't be afraid of that. And yes, obviously we don't want to get into the abuse arena because that's more wrong. Here's the point. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Big time, big time. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Non-relational discipline breaks a child's spirit and provokes them to anger. And you didn't receive or you're not providing care, attentiveness, time commitment, heart of mercy and grace, expressive love, if you're not providing those things to your children and disciplining, disciplining them out of anger, you're breaking their spirit and provoking them to anger because they don't know you love them. Maybe you were brought up in that. Father God wants to heal that hurt. And he wants you to not view him like that example. He wants you to see that he loves you and it's his most favorite thing being your father. I wanna encourage dads, granddads, parents in general. How often do we discipline without, without explaining why the discipline is taking place? You've heard me say this before too. I understand the thought behind it. I try to never discipline my children by saying, because I said so. Sometimes that's appropriate, okay? But because I said so, here's what it does. It sets this up. I'm not telling you the reason why you need to behave. You just need to behave. You know what's going to happen when they leave my house? They're not going to understand the reason why they needed to behave. Well, dad said so. Well, I don't live in dad's house anymore, so I can do what I want to do. Instead, I'm saying, because why does God not want you to fall into sin? Because your, your heavenly father loves you. He wants you to understand, which they don't, by the way. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, And I'm serious about that. They really don't talk back to their mom. Um, Discipline, right? But I'm saying this because the Bible says this, your life will be good. You will have long life. It's the command with the promise. So when they get out from under my roof, they're not just hearing, well, dad said so. I'm not under his roof anymore. I can do what I want to do. Explain why from God's word. See, I want this to get into their, and Gabe's back here, I want this to get into their heart so that when they get out of my house, they can make appropriate decisions based on God's word, not just because I said so. Does that make sense? Because I know that's a big thing. We hear a lot of people say, because I said so. And again, there's times when that's appropriate. After the fifth time, they've said, but why, Dad? You know what? You've heard everything. This time, you just need to do it. There's times that's appropriate. So I just want to make sure that's clear. Patiently train your children. Teach them right and wrong, be with them, be relational, and enjoy them. We're going to go home today, and um, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are coming over. I won't make any jokes. Um, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are coming over. We're going to have dinner together, and I'm going to get out the cornhole boards that Nathan made last year. We're going to have fun. I'm going to do my best to whip them in <laughs> cornhole. Not What's going on? Enjoy the memories that you have. More importantly, think about your Heavenly Father and the way He cares for you. And say, God, will you help me? See, here's the thing. Not everybody in this room has children. Um, Maybe they're out of the house or you just don't have children yet or, or whatever. There are people that I recognize that, in many circles, that are not my physical children. But God has set me up as a spiritual father in their lives. What a great responsibility. And you know what? I look around this room, and I see so many guys that have, and granddads, that you have a lot of influence over other people. And by the way, this is Father's Day, but I recognize this with the ladies as well. Be an example of your Heavenly Father to those who are your spiritual children that God has placed in your care. <laughs>